never forget like when the day that we had him, which was actually this month, yeah, um, hey. twenty one years ago. Yeah. Um, so um, the day that he was placed in my arms, I'll just never forget. Um, and I always like it just. Whew. Um, I get emotional every time I think about it. Um, yeah, he was placed in my arms, and I just I saw him, and I immediately. My first thought was like, there's a God, like there can't not be a God because my cell, my completely crazy, like the trajectory of my life, where I was going, like I didn't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. There's something bigger than me that gave me this perfect little. Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friends and brothers in Christ, Aaron Richards and Amen. Brad Puro. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, this is going to be an amazing day today. We are celebrating um, the victory of uh, the, the the Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade being overturned. So let's give Jesus Christ some glory. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we're going to have an incredible testimony mm -hmm. from someone who was uh, pro-life, but also struggling as an atheist, mm -hmm. and uh, hear her story of how um, being pro-life kind of also helped to bring her into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is pretty doggone amazing. So it's going to be an incredible show. Uh, Brad, can you open us up in prayer? I can, yeah. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of life. Thank you for the lives that you've given all of us. Thank you for the lives of all the listeners and the viewers of this podcast. Thank you for all of the ways that you give us greater access to your life. And we pray today, Lord, that through this conversation, we could just um, just uh, marvel in how uniquely and specifically you make every person yeah. and how uniquely and specifically you call every person. So we pray today, Lord, that we would have a, a conversion back to your heart to see the goodness in ourselves and the goodness of others. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, awesome. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So if you're joining us for the first time, this is a show that celebrates the missional work of the church, that we are a church that is mobilized for mission. And we believe that an encounter with Jesus Christ isn't just meant for ourselves, but that encounter is meant to be shared with others. And so it's beyond Damascus. St. Paul, he had that incredible life-changing encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, mm -hmm. and it propelled him to a life of mission. And one of the coolest ways, um, or a very defining way that you can see the church mobilized for mission these last 50 years has been since 1973, the church has been on the front lines really praying and advocating for the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And after 50 years of prayer and intercession, of advocacy, um, I, I the Lord has brought a victory mm -hmm. in that area. And so I guess kind of what, like when you heard uh, on Friday the announcement come out, what were the emotions you guys were filled with? Yeah. I mean, I, the first thing that I was filled with was excitement. I was excited that our country was going in a direction I didn't think I would see it go in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, I think in addition to that, um, because of the the missionary heart that I think I have, uh, one of my first, uh, I don't know if it's an emotion, one of my first feelings was, okay, how do we communicate this effectively to the most amount of people as possible <laughs> yeah. so that we can let people know kind of what's happening, what this means, why we believe it to be good. But I would say excitement that then kind of led to that. And I think that's kind of still where I'm at. Like, how do I 
how do I articulate well the stance of the church so we can instantiate that in the states that now the decision's been brought back to? So I'd say that's probably my my initial response. I love it. Brad the communicator asking how do we communicate? <laughs> how this? do we get Let's this get... to people in a clear way? Speaking like a true evangelist. I, I think I'm a little shell shocked still. Just I mean, if if you're new to human existence, you you may you may be surprised to learn that like Hello, welcome to the world. <laughs> the last I don't know, the last two or three years have been like beat down after beat down after beat down of um sort of difficult things happening yeah uh, we don't have too many things to celebrate in the culture <laughs> and um yeah i i think that uh my 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 initial reaction to this was like seriously uh mm. you know in the midst of pandemic after pandemic wave after pandemic wave after after economic meltdown after economic mm -hmm. meltdown after useless senseless war after mm -hmm. senseless war like we're, we're now in a place where is it is it reality that Christianity yeah. is seeing a cultural victory? Yeah. Like yeah. how can how can that be real? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm I'm in some sense I'm waiting for the other like shoe to drop, hmm. uh, and and just questioning how how is it that we steward this thing? Hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a, my it, the um I was just I was so happy um because I just felt like um it was like the Lord is alive. Right. And like, we get yeah. so excited over, um, miracles that happen yeah. in someone's body. And we just witnessed a miracle happen in a nation where mm -hmm. like, like I, I love our, when I see government. Yeah, yeah. Like I love, like when I see a body get healed, right. Uh -huh. We just saw a significant mirror. Like, uh, like you said, mm -hmm. we never mm -hmm. thought we'd see it in our lifetime. We didn't like everything and culturally we were losing battle after battle. And now there's a cultural victory mm -hmm. and it, it, it's just pure miracle. And, mm -hmm. and the reason I like this was because this, this, if you will, this particular battle is one that has been being waged, um, not through, uh, it, it has been being waged primarily through intercession, right? That mm -hmm. the primary way that the church decided that they were going to enter into this cultural battle yeah. was through mm -hmm. frontline intercession, yeah. whether mm -hmm. that was at abortion clinics, whether that is um, at parishes. But, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I mean, just the devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe and her mm -hmm. patronage over mm -hmm. the pro-life movement, the devotion to praying the rosary to stop abortion, like that the, the, the church has, has mm -hmm. oriented herself mm -hmm. to Mary to be the cause of victory. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really exciting to see such a tangible fruit and and a victory that we all kind of witnessed throughout our life that took 50 years right this was a very that it just shows that the lord does answer all of our prayers and yet it, it does he doesn't answer them in a cheap way that it, mm -hmm. it, it it's sometimes the number 40 is that number of preparation right the number 50 is that number of completion and while this isn't complete and no, anything sure. but complete the Lord is is showing us mm -hmm. His presence. Well, in in a way that that keeps you scratching your head. I, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I I'm at when uh, when Donald Trump was was running for presidency, there were there were many uh, prophetic um, I don't know prophetic stories, prophetic words Word, that Christians yeah. were sharing about the fact that like this man is going to be the one who the Lord ordains to change the world, mm -hmm. and I roll my eyes at at most things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but man, you know, the Lord in his mercy delivered uh, the final act of this story mm -hmm. through the work of 
a president who has been the most divisive figure mm -hmm. potentially in mm -hmm. U.S. political mm -hmm. history. Well, and who has a choppy past, right? Yeah. And they, but mm -hmm. it's funny because we're like, oh, he has a choppy past. The Lord can't use him now. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, look at every biography yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and a choppy present. Like, welcome yeah. to like yeah. our lives. You know, like, I think that <laughs> like every time. Saint Peter, maybe? <laughs> yes. Like every time we get into those conversations, it's like, yeah. But what were the best actions that person took and what did they result in? You well, know, like there's actually guess, a way to look. And, and what I mean like, to say is not, not uh, whether you love him or hate him. Right. Um, it's just so curious. Yeah, it is. That the Lord used uh, used his time and authority to actually set the stage for, for, Correct. for this and decision. I, and I actually think it should give hope, right? Yeah. Like I think that's why I'm saying it the way I'm saying it is like yeah. for all of us. Like, thank the Lord that he does any kind of miraculous thing through me ever, you know? Like, and I, and I also, I, I think to the point of, uh, oh man, like the, just like the victory and the, and the, the idea of the prayers that have gone into this yeah. prayers are active, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that we live in a social media environment where there's comments coming in all of the time and you read these comments and it's like hugs, kisses, love, and good vibes are all passive. Like all of that is just a way of saying, I support you passively from over here. When, when I say like praying for this, if I actually partake in that act, yeah. it's active. It's active. Like it's actually moving the ball forward. Yeah. So for anyone that's interceded for things over time and you felt like nothing's happening, it's like, no, things are happening. That's always an actionable move. Like the Lord is a, about something mm -hmm. when we pray. And when we contend. So anyway, right. I don't know. There's something about that that just inspires me. Like, yes, intercessions were heard. Prayers were like received and acted upon by the Lord in his providence and in his mercy. And that's awesome. Brad, I'm a little hurt right now. Yeah, tell me why. I mean, I, you and I text each other all the time. I've never gotten a text when I'm having a bad day of you saying, I'm sending good vibes, hugs, and kisses your way. Because like, I'm never passive. Oh, I'm always active in my life. I get it. Oh, but, uh, okay, no, I, I do. It. I think that we need to know that, though, because it does. It gets in our vernacular, and we start yeah. using it kind of synonymously. Yeah. Like, prayers are synonymous with me yeah. sending hugs via a virtual comment. No, they're not. That's they're actually good. That's not, actually really good. They're not good. synonymous yeah. at all. They're yeah. not. None of that. Like, again, you add whatever word you, you want. You can't send good vibes no, to someone. No, and it someone. can be compassionate. Like, it can be. I'm not saying. I would argue. I'm not saying. Saying that you can't like in those words mean like I feel for yeah. your situation. You absolutely can. Yeah. But you are not actively partaking in the um soothing or assistance of that situation. Prayer, prayer, prayer is, is effective and powerful. Correct. And it works. And we and, have to know that. And we have to know that. And then when when it works, we need to make sure we give thanks. And celebrate, as well. please. Yes, please celebrate. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you haven't entered into celebration or thanksgiving. Um, make sure you just turn to the Lord. If this is something you've been interceding for, make sure you turn to the Lord and thank him and give him praise. And because he's a good God, I think it's funny because, um, I don't know, there's a little bit of me that's like hesitant to celebrate what God has done yeah. because of the question of communication, right? Like, mm -hmm. so there's this public discourse happening now. Actually, I remember on Friday, uh, when, when the, um, uh, statement came out that, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Someone said, okay, so my question is, when's the civil war starting, right? And I don't think a civil war is going to start, but the um, but there's this public discourse happening now. And you're saying, Brad, like, I'm I'm focused. Okay, how do we communicate this? So mm -hmm. how do we communicate it at this point? Yeah. Like, what are, what are you seeing, guys, that, like, how can we effectively enter into this discourse at this point 
in human history. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one thing and then let you guys jump off of it because I don't know if I have kind of like f- finalized thoughts on it. But I do think one thing I think is really important is for us to understand that even as Christians, we can celebrate solutions to one problem without having to throw all of the other problems into it. So like it's understood in the Christian faith. And I think you can understand it just in reason, but abortion's wrong. Okay. Abortion's wrong. So anything that lessens the number of abortions being had is worth celebrating. Now, what happens though, is in, I think, um, Rightfully so, in the Christian person, you have a heart of compassion. You have a heart that sees a variety of things that are going wrong. So the hesitancy towards celebrating that comes from, yeah, but the way that we tend to single mothers and widows and orphans isn't great. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that doesn't negate the truth that abortion is wrong and we should celebrate when it's lessened. Now, I want to have that other dialogue. Absolutely. But trying to like, you know, keep the conversation on the win here is that less abortions will happen. That that's just, that's true. So that is worth celebrating. Now the ramifications of that might play into a bunch of things and we should have conversations on that. But I think where I'm at right now is trying to keep the focus of the conversation, the focus of the conversation, because it's very easy to talk for an hour about absolutely nothing when you just move the marker to whatever your heart's feeling in a moment. It's like, no, abortion is wrong. Anything that lessens the number of them is worth celebrating. Yeah. It might cause some other things to happen that we need to take care of, but let's take care of those in sequential order. I think I, I think we'll, we'll have a lot of good feedback on the show today. I think you'll see a lot of good uh, resources and, mm-hmm. and feedback that you can pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 want to, uh, I want to remind us as, as a community and as our listeners and even at this table that it's, it's, it's never a bad idea when faced with a difficult question like this to say, I don't know, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm going to go figure it out. That's good. right. Mm-hmm. When, when, when faced with this question, I think it's really important that I go to be well formed. Mm-hmm. So if I don't know how to communicate this, mm-hmm. that you tune into a podcast like beyond Damascus or go, yeah. you know, gosh, go, go tune into the priest for life right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. or, or, uh, Bishop Barron or, or, mm-hmm. or countless other people who are, who are diving into this and who are, who are speaking mm-hmm. about this very thing. Because mm-hmm. this is too important for me to try to figure it out on my own. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, I'm I'm really hopeful and excited just for the dialogue that will come. Right. So we actually uh, mm-hmm. we get, we get to start. Yeah. So Roe v. Wade overturns one decision, but now there's a bunch of other decisions that have mm-hmm. to be made. Yeah. Or, and what this will do is it'll create dialogue around women's rights and babies' rights mm-hmm. and how do we care for mm-hmm. uh, uh, unmarried women? How do we mm-hmm. care for? Uh, an unborn child. And so Mm -hmm. this is the moment of great dialogue, right? And one of the most effective ways I, uh, I've always seen dialogue happen too, is through testimony, right? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. when we, when we effectively listen to people's stories and um, we discover more compassion and greater truth, right? That when, and every, and every story, right, is different that whether you're the Mm -hmm. single mom that, um, it, it is struggling. Like we need to hear those testimonies, whether you're the person who got uh, pregnant through sexual abuse, we need to hear that mm-hmm. testimony, mm-hmm. Like, right? Like hearing these testimonies will help us ask questions, Lord, how do we respond? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and th- it's a great opportunity for mm-hmm. us to have that dialogue. When I think is as humans, there are often times where there's a perceived justification for my sin. 
And there might even be validity to it. So I, I think when we isolate this issue as like a single issue and don't bring it into all the things of our lives, like in, in the lives of so many that I walk with my own life, like, um, in the area, I, I mean, just any, any space you go into, like, um, sin that's based on a wound from your identity as a kid, right? Like you see this in tons of young adults in the area of sexuality and sexual sin. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I know that I'm operating in this, but my story. And when I hear that story, it's like, I can give validity to the fact that you were hurt. It doesn't give validity to the sin. And that's where like, we need to go like research and learn things and we need to have dialogue in the church. But what we need to understand is that a truth is a truth and I need to try to help my experience come into alignment with that, not the other way around. Yep. Yep. Like, it's hard for me even in this podcast because I know some of the, like, the comments and thoughts that will be had from me saying it. But we, we just have to state abortion is wrong and, and let that lay. And that just causes so much uproar because it's like, I want to talk about single mothers and babies. And what about life of the mother? And what about rape and incest? And what about this and this and this and this and this? It's like, we, I want to have all of that conversation but we need to be able to in the church state a truth is a truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like the, like sexuality is meant for a man and woman in marriage mm -hmm. and just let that sit. And my goodness, the amount of like sidewaysness that happens right, I want that. you just to start posting those <clears throat> one sentence truths on your social media I, and just see what happens. No, I'm so sad. Let's, let's do that. I'm so sad no. by what would happen. <laughs> and, and not just like, I know the world's always going to have the world. Like we're always going to have thoughts from yep. outside of the church. But when we're in the church, it's just like, it's sad to me. It's like, we should be able to state and then let's wrestle. Like, I'm not saying we have to like, just, anyway. no, but I think it's great because dialogue is that right. Yes. I, I, one way not to respond to this is to post a bunch of social media memes, making fun of other people yes. who disagree it's with you, helpful. right? It's, so it's not helpful. And it's like so frustrating. I'm like, why are you making fun of Like, at what point does Jesus make fun of the Pharisees, right? Like, at what point does he like mock people who disagree with them? It's and just memes weren't invented back then. Oh, darn it. Dang it. That's why. That is why he didn't use them. All right. That makes sense. All right. Well, we're going to um, actually welcome in a guest who we're just going to hear her story and how uh, she was faced with the decision and the decision she made and how those kinds of decisions lead to life mm -hmm. and life with Christ. So let's welcome in our friend and missionary, Miss Nurse Tiffany. Yes, Tiffany. <laughs> Come on in. You. So I call you Nurse Tiffany because that is what you are affectionately termed here at Damascus <laughs> yeah. and Catholic Youth Summer Camp. So you've been um, a nurse with us here at camp. And um, I just think that is probably the most difficult job on campus. <laughs> Imagine it has its days. <laughs> campers, all with their bumps and bruises and scratches and uh, heat rashes, everything you what is that like being the that you're what is your title here, actually? Uh, this summer, it's medical director. Medical director. Yeah. So you not only care for all of the campers, but you also care for those who care for the campers. Mm -hmm. Yes. I do. I do. What's um, that like? It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I um, I love it so much. Um, there are days where it's hard, but I mean, there's so much joy that comes out of it and caring for like our people, our staff members and our campers and like their most vulnerable moments when they like are really just like, I just want to be at camp. I just want to be with Jesus. Like, and for us to be able to like love them and yeah. pray with them and then get them mm -hmm. back out there. Like it's the most rewarding job I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Really I know you and Aaron have spent a lot of time advancing, if you will, our medical mission here at Damascus. How do you guys, what has been your heart behind? Like Aaron, you have such a heart for healing ministry, right? And uh, clearly there's like a, a ministry that happens within mm -hmm. 
um, the the medical realm. When you're how how have you guys incorporated um, mission and not just healing ministry, yeah, yeah. but mission and nursing and caring for others? It, it's pretty uh, it's it's pretty beautiful the relationship that you have when somebody comes to you with a medical need because there's already an expressed moment of vulnerability. So like mm. the only reason that I'm having this conversation with you right now is because I have a need that I know that you need to help me meet. Mm. So it's like the door to my heart in a way is already open when I, when I come to enter into conversation. I was reminded of this just last week. So mm. last year I, I worked really closely with our medical staff and this year I haven't so much, but I got called in for, uh, for duty last Sunday to help collect meds at registration. Mm -hmm. And even in those, like in, in two hours of interaction with, with, with kids and their parents, as they're dropping off meds, it's like uh, you, you couldn't ask for more of a simple administrative task, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm simply checking with a database and collecting your yeah. medications. But even in those interactions, there's like such a, there's such an innate vulnerability that I'm coming to you as a person who I'm going to depend upon to provide me care. And it's, it's just such a, it's such an opening yeah. for, for love. Wow. That's amazing. Right. So, and, and as a Christian, we realize, you know, I mean, there are a million different people who exercise this in the medical field, who, who love in a way that transforms lives and many of them outside of a Christian context. But as a Christian, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. how, how often do you, do you have the opportunity for someone to come to you and be like, mm -hmm. Hey, would you, would you evangelize to me right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 I'm wounded. I'm in need. Would you, would you help? Would you help me? And it's like, man. Uh, those are those are such it's just a beautiful like setup. Dude, that's nuts. I love that. That's mm -hmm. a great mm -hmm. great way to put that. How have you found Christ in the medical world? Yeah, I think I think the motto of our, of the summer and what I tell the medical missionaries is that our job is actually to love them and return them. Mm -hmm. So just so that they have like this overarching like yes, they're coming in because you have a task to do for them most of the time, whether mm -hmm. it's a skin knee or whatever it is yeah. that you're actually doing an assessment on. It's almost secondary in our world yeah. because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our job for first and foremost is to like love them as a unique unique individual of God and like to be able to love them in that moment when we are caring for them. Um, it's just a really beautiful process and it's really, really cool because mm -hmm. a lot of our medical missionaries are in nursing school and they're learning right now mm -hmm. how to bring Christ into that interaction. And I've told them like every single camper that comes to our clinic, like they should be prayed with. Yeah. Every single one of them should have some sort of prayer before they walk out our door. Even if you're just applying a Band-Aid, like even if it's a quick glory be with them, like let them know the Father loves them yeah. as they're walking okay. back out to camp. So like just being able to love them in their vulnerability and love them in just such a beautiful way is just really, really rewarding for everyone. Yeah. That's awesome. so cool. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's so human. I'm going to be going to a doctor for the rest of my life, right? You always like, that's just a human activity, but to see the church perform that human activity in a unique way where, wow, I remember at this moment when I was injured, this person looked at me like this and this person spoke to me like this and then they prayed with me. And mm -hmm. to have that experience is is really special. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Brad, your, your wife's in the medical world as well. What yeah. kind of stories does she tell yeah, at so, home? Yeah. So Nina's awesome. So Nina, um, she is a charge nurse uh, in a pediatric intensive care unit in Columbus. And so she gets to uh, tend to a lot of really vulnerable young people and their families and, and like hard times. And I think to Aaron's point and to Tiffany's point, like that's the story of the gospel is tending to people in difficult times and in um, 
places of need. And so, um, just the amount of stories that I could tell, she comes home almost every night with something on her heart that she needs to share. Cause the, the kids that she deals with are really, really sick. And so, um, just talking through those situations and like, um, what the Lord was doing has been so beautiful to listen to. And I always say like, I get the title of missionary, but when she shows up at home at night, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like the, the mission you've been on today, I think is, is more evidently mission than what I've been on today, even though there's uh there's obviously a partnership in it. But no, I think that what I value the most is when Nina comes home and she shares, and I know like the, the episode today is on life, but just the idea that life is, is body and soul. And that the Lord really cares for our bodies and he cares for our souls, that we believe in the resurrection of the body. We believe in the the, the taking care of the temple that we've been given. Yeah. And we also believe in the soul that's within that temple. And so the beauty of, I think, a medical missionary is that they get to tend to both. And Nina, being a medical missionary in the secular world, right, like working um, in that pediatric in intensive care unit. Sorry, I'm getting stumbled on my words, but um, there's just an ability for her to tend to the whole person, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And uh, Tiffany, did you ever think you would be a medical missionary uh, <laughs> when you were younger? No. It was just like, I'm going to grow up to be a medical missionary. Was that your game plan? Yeah, no, no. no not mine. Not mine. It wasn't, it wasn't no, on a list of things to do. It was not what, no. what happened last year? So you came as a volunteer nurse, right? What, and then you were just like, I want more. Like, I want to stay longer. I want to get more involved. And then, of course, whenever you're around us and you ask for more, you, you, you end up uh, signed up for the missionary program and a director of the medical staff. But like, what was yeah. the, your initial experience with the uh, Damascus missionary community last year? Yeah. So coming in, I had no idea what to expect. Um, I had actually had stepped away from the bedside. I was in more of like an administrative role in my nursing job that I walked away from. And so in that, I really felt coming in, like I didn't feel equipped to do it. Like mm -hmm. I, I came in going, I have no idea what I'm doing. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, hopefully God is with me and I know he will be. And so I jumped in um, just kind of nervous and, and not really sure what I was getting myself into. And, um, you know, day one, some challenges were thrown at me and I handled it like it, it just so, it was so comforting. It was so com like I felt comfortable. I felt equipped. I felt like I knew exactly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And it was like in that moment that I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> OK, Jesus, actually, not only did he call me to this, but like he is seeing me through it. And he actually like, it was just this awakening that like, he actually wants me to be here. Mm -hmm. And I have actually never felt more equipped as a nurse than I did when I stepped foot on this campus and caring mm -hmm. for the, the, the campers, for the, the missionaries. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like, and I, I recognize like, what a great need there was for it as well. That like, not just the campers, like I came in thinking I was going to care for the campers. And then I got here and realized, oh, I'm actually caring for the missionaries too. And that was just a really beautiful like awareness that like, okay, mm -hmm. my presence here is like really needed. And like the Lord didn't just call me here for like one thing. He called me here for like multiple things. And so as I stepped into it and just found so much love in everything that I was doing and, and the ability to pour out love, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was probably like what drew me in. And I was like, okay, this is home. Like I'm supposed to be here. I, I literally have so much love that I want to pour into people and bring healing to people. And this is where I can not only be filled myself, but I can also fill others and provide for them in a really unique and fun way. Um, because I have never had so much fun in nursing. Like <laughs> I literally, like I really, I can honestly say that. I mean, we just, we work hard and we, um, we love hard and we take care of things. Every day is different. We never know what we're going to see, what we're going to expect. 
And I think that was like one of the things that I was just like, I love this place. And also as a Baptist convert coming into this campus, I was like, these are my people. <laughs> like they raise their hands and they worship uh -huh. God. Like, thank you, Jesus, for like bringing me to my people and like finding a place where like mm -hmm. I can live out my Catholic identity in the way that my body and soul want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. That's like, it's amazing that the, that one popular phrase is the Lord doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, right? Yeah. That's like, yeah, yeah. so beautifully summarizes that. Yeah. I, I, you think if I became a heart surgeon, the Lord would equip me? Uh, no. Nah. You probably need a little training first. <laughs> if, if, if you became a heart surgeon, he probably would equip you. But yes. th there's, you. there's a lot of there's a lot of roadblocks that might stand in the way. Probably not. I also just want to add in that he equips the called. So yeah. as long as there was a, a call and not just a choice, then I think there could be probably some equipping happens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So as a Catholic like missionary now, like that that was your game plan growing up and in high school, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, one. no, actually, um, anti-Catholic um, yeah. was actually the case. Um, so definitely not my plan. Um, as a little girl, um, little, little, I was raised Baptist actually. So it was church on Sunday, church on Wednesday, church all day on Sunday. Cause you did mm -hmm. church service and then you did Bible school and you were just community all day in the Baptist mm -hmm. church. And then Wednesday, you went to the Iwana program and you studied scripture and that was life. And so that was as a little girl. And I remember um, when I was like I don't, six or seven years old, I was at church and in the Baptist church, you ba get baptized like by your own free will and your mm. choice. And so basically at the end of every service, the mm -hmm. pastor is like, anyone that wants to give their life to Jesus in baptism, come on up. So I remember looking over at my dad saying, excuse me, daddy. And I just got out of the pew and I walked up and um, I went and got baptized. Um, and I, I literally, I can remember what I was wearing. Like it was just mm -hmm. a, a really like big day in my life. Um, so that was, um, I don't know. I think that the Lord knew that I needed the graces of that baptism as a little girl. And when I had the heart for it, I always had a heart for Jesus as a little girl. Mm -hmm. I would pray for people in the grocery store. Like I just really, really loved Jesus. Um, but then as I grew and as my parents' relationship shifted and changed and they moved out of the Baptist church, um, there was a lot of turmoil in my home after that. So um, around third grade and up, turmoil was really what wreaked havoc in my life um, to the point where I was calling the police on my parents regularly to break them up. Um, you know, mm. just a really bad situation um, with a lot of hurt and a lot of um, hardship through that time. So throughout that time, I slowly, like I kept trying to go to my Baptist church and kept trying to be ingrained in that and, and love the Lord. But as I got older, um, I'd say by the time I was 12, I was like, yeah, nope, this is all lies. Like, I can't believe I can't get behind a God that I've been taught was a good God. Yeah. is putting a little girl through the things that I was going through. Mm. So I was like, I'm out. Like, mm -hmm. I don't believe in any of this. And at that point, um, my life really took a spiral. Um, I spiraled down. I had no guidance. So both of my parents, they were so, they loved me. And, and as I, as I tell this story, like I, I do want to speak the, the truth that they, they loved me, but they were just so in their own lives mm -hmm. and their own stuff as they were going through this very messy divorce and not divorce and divorce and not divorce, um, that they just weren't able to parent the way that a parent should parent. So I didn't have a lot of guidance. Um, I had the opposite of that. Um, so by the time I was 12, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. You know, it was just a situation that was not great. And so that spiral just continued. Um, I went down a really bad path as I was like going into high school. Um, I had no like, I had no reason to um, 
have worth for myself, really. So in that, I made a lot of really, really bad decisions, a lot of decisions I'm not proud of. Um, I got into drugs, um, alcohol regularly. It was, I'm skipping school. Like, it was just really not a good situation. Um, so in that, I was just like so far from Christ. I mean, that was like mm -hmm. the last thing. And if anyone would try and talk to me about that, it was like, mm -hmm. I don't need any of that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I got this, you know, mm -hmm. I was living my best life and nobody was going to stop me kind mm -hmm. of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like moving through high school, um, continuing to make those poor decisions. Um, I met my now husband. Um, we were 15 years old in gym class and that's where we met. Gym uh, class. Gym class. Yep. Gym class. <laughs> Yep. So we met in gym class and then what um, what, uh, what impressed you about 15 year old? 15 yeah, year old Andy. Yeah. So, yeah. So it wasn't actually gym class that he impressed Andy. me. He actually so we um, there was this park that me and all of our friends would illegally go to. We were not supposed to be there and we would go and have bonfires there. So one one night we were at the bonfire and there was another couple across the fire from the bonfire and they were like playing with each other's hair. And Andy was across the bonfire and he was like, Oh, that's so cute. I wish I had somebody to play with my hair. And I was like, oh, he's cute. <laughs> and so that's what started it all. Oh, man. Yeah. Great. We need great to yeah. more stories like, yeah. like hey, yeah, the 15 year old like, yes. first pickup lines, right? Yeah. That was, that was yeah. a good whole show, Dan. Yeah, it was really funny. So I was actually dating another boy. At wait, the wait, time. But you didn't share. What was your response to that? Oh, my. Yeah. So I, I literally was just like, oh, that was cute. And oh, that was okay. it. You were like, but I'll he play was with really good friends with one of my best friends. Okay. So that was kind of like the tie-in because I had talked to her about it. And she's yeah. like, oh, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hook you guys up, yeah. you know. And so I was actually dating another boy at the time who was coming on too strong and I was not really having it. Mm -hmm. And so um I was on the phone with him and Andy called me on the phone because back then mm -hmm. it wasn't a big sign and a dance about homecoming and mm -hmm. stuff. So he called me. I clicked over the line and I said, Hey, and it was Andy. He's like, Hi, he's like, Can will you go to homecoming with me? They're like just Super basic. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I will. And he's like, okay, cool. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. I click over and the other boy's like, who was that? And I was like, that was Andy. He was like, well, what did you want? And I was like, he asked me to homecoming. He was, what'd you say? And I was like, I said, yes. And he was like, oh, I was going to ask you to homecoming. And I was like, oh, sorry. And then that was all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Yeah. That was all she wrote. Where, where are they done. now? That's, yeah. a, that's an effective way to break yeah. up. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah. yeah. On the landline. On the landline. Yeah. 100% I did not have a cell phone. I think I had a pager at the time. Yeah. Oh, you know? nice. Yeah. Nice. We need yeah. we <laughs> yeah. bring back the pager. Yeah. yeah, I had a pager. So. Well, like kind of what was your, where was your heart during high school? Mm. And what was like, was your, were you completely cut, got off? Had you, were you totally distant? Were you, what, where were you with that? Yeah, I had completely got cut, got off. Mm -hmm. I, there was absolutely, I wouldn't pray. I wouldn't, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Um, so, Did you believe in him still or was it kind of like, no way? I don't think I, I, I don't think I ever really, I was probably more agnostic. I, I think if, it depended on the day Yeah. when you asked me at that time, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. some days it was like, no, absolutely not. This isn't mm -hmm. possible. And then other days it was like, mm, okay, maybe there's something, yeah. but mm -hmm. I'm not buying it. If it yeah. is, I don't like who them like whatever it is i don't agree with them because yeah. why is the all like all the bad that's going yeah. on in the in my life you know so mm -hmm. yeah i never really i didn't buy into it and i i had family on my dad's side actually that were all catholic and my mom's side was baptist but fallen away um and my mom was actually an alcoholic as well so 
when I would talk to her about any of those kinds of things, it was just, it wasn't a good situation. It yeah. just didn't go well. Mm-hmm. So, and she was super anti-Catholic. So when my, I had, so I had two aunts that just really loved me really well through all of that period though. At one mm-hmm. point, one of my aunts said, if you were my child, you would be in juvenile hall. And I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not. And you know, <laughs> um, but they, they always would take me in and, and love me as much as they could. So I had like a picture of, what it looked like mm-hmm. to have religion in your life, but it, there were too many rules for me for that. So I was not really interested yeah. in it. You know, it's amazing that <clears throat> that light switched off at twelve, right? Mm-hmm. That like, mm-hmm. and I just think about our campers, right? And we got like two hundred fifty middle schoolers up there right now. When you look at these middle schoolers from the outside, you're just like, oh my gosh, like they're just goofballs, right? They're at, they're in. <laughs> at mealtime and they're all dirty <laughs> and they're spilling their drink. Like yeah. they're just kind of not well put together. Right. And they're just silly little kids. But at the same time, major things are happening in their hearts at that time period. Like mm-hmm. 12 years old is when uh, I had my first major encounter with mm-hmm. Jesus Christ on, on a mission trip. And it's just like, I've been thinking about my own kids. Like, Oh my gosh. Like when I was in like middle school was critical for me and my formation with Christ. It was absolutely critical. And they're at those critical moments. And I think sometimes we forget that Mm -hmm. there's, there's a giant thing happening inside a person, Mm -hmm. even though the outside, they're still just a 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Damascus too. And the mission here was because that was when a pivotal time in my life, when I stepped away And I didn't, if I would have had something that was like pulling me in or Mm. teaching me or showing me like that I'm a daughter of God, like, I think that that could have been a life changing Mm -hmm. pace for me. So like for me, like seeing these campers come in, like I just, I want so much for these souls to be changed and those seeds Mm -hmm. to be planted so that they don't have to take the long road like I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. They, the that they say that the average age when a young person makes a decision to leave their Catholic faith is age 13. And it's just like <clears throat> blows your mind because it's like, okay, what's going on in their their own heart, in their mind that that decision is being made? And mm-hmm. we're coming out like you like we're coming out of a pandemic. We're coming out of a, a time. I mean, we're in a time of economic uh, turmoil. There's there's a. Uh, the 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 things that our young people are dealing with like you were dealing with this this divorce at home right like how many of our young people are dealing with that at home right now or uh it, it just like thing after thing after thing hitting them and hitting them and hitting them mm-hmm. who do they turn to if mom and dad maybe aren't present to be turned like and if not to Christ then you mm-hmm. you you turn to other things mm-hmm. so you you were turning to to other things in high school, uh, you, you probably turned to Andy probably for emotional support in your life and turmoil. So what, um, what, what it transpired? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we met over the bonfire, went to homecoming. Um, and then, um, really just, he also had stuff. And so like, it just worked really well. Um, he actually was probably like, the first step of me moving in the right direction though. Um, so mm-hmm. I, um, was able to like, I kind of hit a rock bottom if you will, where I was like, okay, I actually can't keep doing what I'm doing anymore. Like this is actually getting dangerous. And so, um, in relationship with him, I was able to have that emotional support and have somebody to like talk to about stuff. And so that kind of changed things a lot for me. And so we really just were all in, um, you know, so, Um, We had been dating for about a year and then we were, so I was two months into my senior year of high school and we found out we were pregnant. 
um, that day, I'll, I'll never forget it. I, um, I had actually taken a home pregnancy test that said it was negative. And I had been at a party over the weekend and I took one sip of a beer and I almost threw up. And I looked at my friend and I was like, here, I can't drink this because I knew in that moment, like I was like, I, I have to be pregnant. And so, um, I had gone to the doctor to confirm that. And, um, I remember getting out of school, rushing home to go check the messages on the landline so that I intercepted the message before my mom would. And it was a message from the doctor, like giving, calling about my results. So I called the doctor and I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget that conversation. Um, you know, she, the nurse on the other end of the line was like, um, yeah, so you're, you're pregnant. Um, and I just immediate tears, you know, um, and so she says to me, um, you can come in and we can talk about your options. And my response to her was, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to find another doctor because my option is I'm going to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I hung up the phone. Um, and I just sobbed. <laughs> I cried the rest of the day. Um, and just was like my whole world just derailed because, you know, I was I was completely I was invincible. And then suddenly I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I was like, OK, well, like this isn't just me anymore. And as a as a kid, like I was always a babysitter. I always loved kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I think young I like life was so important. And like, like I was just always instilled um, to choose life um, through, throughout. And I, I think just in my heart was always like motherly from a young age. Yeah. So when I got pregnant, it was like, okay, the only thing that makes sense right now is I'm going to be a mom, but that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm 18. I like, I'm a mess. Like what is happening? So, um, I, I, I just, I went to Andy. He was over at a friend's house. We, we went there and my friends were all comforting me and like, you're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, and Andy and I, when I talked to him about it, his his first response was like, whoa. And he said, um, so you're going to have an abortion, right? Mm -hmm. And who did I get mad? <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, I, I looked at him and I said, don't ever say that to me again. I said, what's actually happening is I'm going to become a mom and you have to make a choice whether you're going to be a dad or not mm -hmm. because we're having a baby. Mm -hmm. So this is happening. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was like, a really like hard moment we had a really like throughout the pregnancy was really hard because he's like navigating hmm. being a teenager and trying to like figure out the trajectory yeah. of his yeah. life i'm a teenager who's like hugely impacted by it um and so we had friends that loved us but just had just such a worldly idea of life um i had a friend come to me and say hey i know exactly how you feel because i had an abortion and I was like, you actually don't know how I feel. Um, and I'm really sorry that that happened to you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then was like mm -hmm. ministering to her in in that moment. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry that, that that is what happened to you. But that's actually very different from what I'm doing right now. Um, and so I had multiple people. Like, I had so many friends that had abortions. I just remember like walking through the halls at, of school. I had, there were two girls one time walking behind me like, she, she's pregnant. She's and, and I stopped and I turned around. And I said, I am pregnant. Do you want to talk about it? Oh, wow. I was yeah. very bold about that. Yeah. And I was like, listen, like it is what it is. Like I'm going to own it because yeah. I can't not. I'm literally going to be like nine months pregnant by the end of the school year. Like you're going to know. So I finished out. Um, Were you wanting to drop out here. of school or did no. you not want to drop out? No, that was never a thought. No, it was, I'm going to get my degree. I mean, I graduated with a 1.5, yeah. but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. They never 
never really ask what, <laughs> you know, know, what you know, they just need care. You know, I made it through. Yeah. I got the degree. It was it was like by the skin of my teeth. I actually had to take a, a math class over the summer. My poor math teacher, I'll never forget him, was terrified that I was going to go into labor. Because <laughs> I'm like nine He'd show up to class, you'd be like, oh no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, poor guy, he was just terrified. He was so sweet. Um, but yeah, so um, graduated high school. Um you know, watched all of my friends do um, do their thing and go off to college and all of that. And I was preparing to be a mom. So how did you, because you were kind of living, like you didn't have support at home. You didn't have, uh, you were you were making risky decisions in life. How did, why was it that when you got that phone call from the doctors, why was it that you knew that you knew that you knew that you were going to have the baby? Like, yeah, uh, Jesus. Yeah. I didn't know it then, mm-hmm. but I mean, it was 100% the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I think, um, mm-hmm. I think that as I, as I stepped into the realization that there is a God and I'll, and I'll get to how that happened. Um, I recognized that actually the Lord had been carrying me through all of that. Like I actually should have been dead. Like mm-hmm. some of the decisions that I was making, mm-hmm. I should have been dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just know now without a doubt that actually the Lord was so present in my life. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it and didn't know that he was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was 100% with me the whole the whole way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of why I love him so much now. Mm-hmm. Like now that I can see it, and I, it like blows my mind actually, because right. it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, like how did I miss this? Like how did I not realize that you were with mm-hmm. me, you mm-hmm. know? And so, yeah, that was, it was pretty crazy. So I just, um, went through the pregnancy slowly, like, just like accepted all of the things. Um, I tried living with my mom, um, and I was with her, um, for about a week after we had Dylan and, um, that wasn't a good situation. So we ended up moving with Andy's mom and she was probably our biggest support, um, because, without her, we would have, it would just been a lot harder than it was. So we did have, um, a little bit of support there. Um, but I just, I won't, I'll never forget like when the day that we had him, which was actually this month, um, 21 years ago. Um, so, um, the day that he was placed in my arms, I'll just never forget. Um, and I always like, it just, um, I get emotional every time I think about it. Um, yeah, he was placed in my arms and I just, I saw him and I immediately, my first thought was like, there's a God, like there can't not be a God because my cell, my completely crazy, like the trajectory of my life, where I was going, like I didn't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. There's something bigger than me that gave me this perfect little miracle. Like, and I knew in that moment that like, things had to change. Like, and I'd already like through pregnancy, like as soon as I found out I was pregnant, like I stopped smoking, I stopped all of, like I became a mom that day. Mm -hmm. But then like when Mm -hmm. he was placed in my arms, I recognized that this was actually a gift from God that allowed me to Mm -hmm. move from that mess Mm -hmm. into something really beautiful. Um, So when he was placed in my arms and I was like, okay, there's something out there and I need to explore that now. Like I started praying that day. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm sorry that I like, totally abandoned you. I know you're there. I don't know who you are. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to find out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just started exploring, um, different religions. Like I would go to the library and just read random books. Um, I actually had the privilege of actually staying home with Dylan as a baby while Andy worked two jobs. 
Mm. And um, he went to school. So he was doing that while I was just raising our son. And so um, through that time, I was just learning about the faith and trying to process this new knowledge that I had been wrong my whole life <laughs> and that there actually is something out there. And so through that, with having my dad's family that was Catholic, um, I kind of leaned on them. I had two cousins in the family that also had kids right around the same time as I did. They were mm -hmm. married and doing all the right things. And so they were a great like resource for me as I'm mothering this new baby. And so watching them, and it intrigued me. But even with that, I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to become Catholic. <laughs> I was like, that's not my thing. I don't agree with a lot of what that church teaches. I just am not interested in going that route. But as I studied and as I learned more, I kept being pulled back to it. Um, everything just pointed in that direction. And it got to the point where I was like, I actually can't deny the truth that this is the church that Jesus started. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I actually have to be in that church because this is the church. Like, whether I like it or not, <laughs> I, I'm going after truth right now because I had been so blind to the truth for my for so long. Mm -hmm. And that awakening in that moment where God just placed it in my heart, like, okay, I'm here. Come after me. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it changed how I thought and I was after the truth. Like, yeah. just fire. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah. So as I'm learning and stuff, I got connected just immediately after Dylan's born. Like this is like the same year he's born, right? Yeah. Within that same year, I'm starting to like, just do a lot of the research and all of those things. I was taking it slow. I had a lot of like my dad's side of the family that was like pushing Andy and I to get married, which was also making me go, okay, listen, I know like you're Catholic. I'm not like, leave me alone. I'm not just getting married because I had a baby. Like I'm going to get married because he's the person I'm supposed to marry. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't buying into that and felt like, Okay, still like another reason why I was like, nope, not Catholic. <laughs> well, what was Andy's um, <clears throat> process? So initially mm. he's like, hey, I don't know if we should do this. Yeah. Thing. But now you're living with him and his mom. And so like yeah. clearly he came on board, right? And he you're did. married at this point. So yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget this day either. Um, Dylan was about six months old, uh, maybe even three months, might have been three months. Um, and Andy was holding him and he was just crying. And I was mm. like, are you okay? And he's like, I asked you to have an abortion. And I was like, I know. And he said, I can't believe I asked you that. He's like, we wouldn't have him. And like, just, I mean, just the tears were just flowing because he was like, what I actually asked you was like to kill my child. Like mm -hmm. I didn't ask mm -hmm. you to just like do something like really minor. Like I actually asked you to do like something crazy and, and, and I can't believe I asked you of it. And, and almost was just like, thank you for like not doing that. And thank you yeah. for like giving me this gift. Mm -hmm. So that was like, that was a, a big point in our like relationship where I was like, okay, like mm -hmm. this is going to be good. Like we've got this and we're on the right track. And like, like, so a shift in his heart for oh, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, throughout the pregnancy it was tough because he was like still kind of trying to hang on to like the life that we were living a little bit. And like, mm -hmm. I obviously wasn't because I was like, okay, I actually can't do those things because I have a life that I'm caring for mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was, it was like a rocky step to get there. But then like, he was all in. I mean, um, yeah, once, once he realized like, okay, I'm going to be a dad. He was like, okay, I'm all in. But it was like so hard, like yeah. just going through it. Like it wasn't an easy thing, no way. like <laughs> yeah. at all. But 
he stepped on board and yeah. And then like, I just, mm. I'll never forget. Like, and every once in a while we'll talk about that now too. And I've always said like, Dylan was our guardian angel. Like the Lord mm -hmm. really brought him to us to like pull yeah. us out of the life. Like I, I honestly, like had I had an abortion and had I not gone that route, like I had I gone that route, like, I don't know where I would be today. Like yeah. I, I really, I don't like, I would have continued going down a really bad path. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I think that the Lord knew all of the little pieces that I needed to like mm -hmm. be brought back mm -hmm. to him. And the Lord didn't care if it was messy and he didn't care if it was not the way that you should do it. You know, mm -hmm. um, the Lord just knew what I needed and mm -hmm. he gave that to me. Um, and so it's really funny because for a really long time, like I didn't like to tell the ugly parts of my story. I was yeah, so ashamed yeah, of it. Sure. Um, and then the Lord is like, no, actually like you need to tell people the mm -hmm. ugly parts because mm -hmm. that's part of the beauty of who you are and what has led you to where you are. So yeah, I mean, Andy, he's, he's all in and, um, yeah. and that's also yeah. super Catholic, right? Oh, happy fault, right? That yeah. like the Lord has so great a mercy that plan B sometimes is better than plan a and so like i i just what i love about your story tiffany is that it seems like the lord um just used like what he always has like the transcendentals like like when you were pregnant the goodness of your choice later converted andy's heart and the beauty you found in your son brought conversion to your heart so beauty and goodness led to you pursuing truth. Like that's, mm -hmm. wow. that's a story yeah. as old as time. Like mm -hmm. the, the Lord, that's how the Lord moves. He says like, and I, I think that that's a, a connecting point here too, as we were talking before um, we brought you on just about like just circumstances that, that a lot of times we look at the worldly circumstances um, and we make our choices off that. You were talking about that. Like your life was being defined by the circumstances. Mm -hmm. The Lord's never defined by the circumstances. He's always looking into the circumstances of how he can bring beauty and goodness so that we pursue truth, which is him. So, um, well, he's all the three, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, like I, I just, I see that so clearly and it's really cool to see that. Um, and that's why it's important to share those harder parts of our stories because it's like, oh no, oh, happy fall. Like, um, the darkest part of the night is right before the sun rises. Like it's, it, it's, it's pivotal to understand the, to your point, we love Jesus so much more when we actually see like, Oh, you brought me through that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what came first marriage to the lamb or marriage to Andy? <laughs> <laughs> marriage to Andy. Okay. Marriage, marriage to Andy. Uh, yeah. So, um, we, we had Dylan in 2001. Um, and as I was still like, kind of like figuring things out and going through the journey of like, what does this mean now that I know that there's a Lord? I, I definitely like took my time through that and was processing a lot of different things. Um, so then we, um, got married in 2003 um, and then my conversion to Catholicism was in 2004. Nice. And so I was connected with Rachel Muha. Um, oh, so she is amazing. My aunt was good friends with her from, um, right to life and, and mm -hmm. things of that, that she walked with her in. And she, a, another way where the Lord like really like knew what I needed. She actually came to my house and did RCAA with me one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And that was cause she knew like my heart was still a little bit hardened about the idea of Catholicism. And so she knew that, or the Lord knew really that that was what I needed. So she actually brought the courses to me and I was able to like, just so freely, just ask all my mm -hmm. questions and really like dig into, um, what the faith was all about. 
And she's so clearly like painted the picture of well, the truth. That's yeah. for maybe our listeners who don't know who Rachel is. So Rachel is a living saint, and yeah, she she, um, she tells a beautiful testimony. You should look her up, Rachel Muhal, M U H A. Um, but her son was brutally murdered um, by drug addicts who just wanted to experience what it would be like to murder someone. And I think it was in two thousand one. Uh, I think it was. 2000 or 2001. Yeah. yeah like, so right around the time that and I just think yeah. of like Joe, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Mm-hmm. And so for her son to be murdered, but what's so beautiful about Rachel is she went to the trial of these guys who had murdered her son and, and another guy um, at their trial. She forgave them and she would go to the prison and actually minister to them and read scriptures to them. And the um, just uh, uh, a saint, uh, <laughs> And, and, but it's it's incredible. At the same time, she was in so much suffering in her life. She's pouring out into you and mm-hmm. an inconvenient time in your life. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's funny. I actually chose my confirmation name. I found a Saint Rachel because I was like, she's gonna be a saint one day, and yeah. I want my <laughs> saint name to be Saint Rachel. It's probably not the right way to choose my saint, but that's actually that's how I did. It. I actually, I actually did something I, similar. I did something. She's gonna be a saint similar. one day, yeah. and I wanted to have that because <laughs> so she's fun. amazing. Yeah, it's wild. That's, that's amazing. that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, in that mentorship, that that sealed up all of your questions, and you were just able to. Um, to yeah. take the plunge. Yeah. Yeah. So with the, walking through that, I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm doing this. I still had some like moments. I don't know that I honestly and truly bought into the Eucharist, the real presence of the Eucharist. I was still kind of like, but I, I was like, it doesn't fully matter to me because this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to like, I was half in half out about mm-hmm. it. I was like, all right. Okay. Um, and so I just, I, I jumped in and, um, so Dylan was baptized the same day that I, um, came into the church. So that was a really cool day, um, in 2004. So, um, yeah. So through that, then I think, and at that moment I was, I was all in, like it was, I, I wanted to do soak in all of the things, you know, and, um, it was really great. Andy was walking with me and supportive and he's like yeah do this that's great for you and so was he brought um, up with the faith at all no he um was baptized episcopalian and then um didn't have any upbringing in the in the faith so um his mom um was catholic his dad actually walked out on their family when he was two um so it was just his mom as he was brought up and she um she had some poor experiences with the faith um, that made her step away. And so he was just not really raised in any kind of faith. So he was pretty much agnostic atheist as well. So it was mm-hmm. like both of us through mm-hmm. high school and stuff. That was just not an important part of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did that, um, he loves me very well. And he was like, okay. So he was always going to mass with me. He was walking through the things. He was letting me talk to him about it. So he was there with it, but he was just not, it wasn't for him. But he's not just for like a couple of years, but for many, many, yeah. many years. Yeah. 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 So um, was he was he becoming a believer at all? Um, I think he was starting to like throughout those years. Like I think with especially when we started sending our kids to Catholic school and then they're, they're coming home and having the conversations with him and, and that kind of thing. I, I think it was hard for him to not be Catholic or not believe in that time because he was like, we're doing this. I've agreed to raise our children Catholic. And so there was that element of needing to like 
be the dad that they need in that. And he did that well, but he was still like kind of not in it for him. Like he was just still Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So um, as we like walked through and grew in that, we got to a point where like, okay, for like probably the first five years of my conversion, like we were all in and doing really well. But then with having this point, like we have four kids now (laughs) and they're going to Catholic school. I'm going to nursing school. I'm working. Life got in the way. And we, I I like to say like we actually became more complacent Catholics where we were like, okay, party on Saturday and church on Sunday Mm -hmm. actually works. Like this is fine. Mm -hmm. That's what all the other Catholics are doing. Mm -hmm. The kids are getting what they need at school. So we're good. Mm -hmm. And so we lived that life for several years as well. Um, And then I started missing the Lord. And I was like, I started praying into that. And I was like, Jesus, like, I just miss you. And I miss what I had when I first met you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just opened the door for him to like pour in. And I was like, I, I need you back in my life in a more profound way. And so at the time, our youth minister um, at St. Matthew sent me an invite. And she was like, hey, someone told me that you would be a great small group leader for women walking with purpose, a new Bible study we're bringing to the church. And I literally was like, really, Jesus? Like, yeah. you want me to add another someone plate? Like, yeah. <laughs> I actually I'm don't gonna... want to do that. Um, I'm going to start using that technique. Yeah, someone yeah. told me. Someone yeah. told me. The Holy Spirit know, told me. No, but yeah. So I never knew who that someone was. Yeah. However, I said yes and jumped into that yeah. Bible study. And that kind of was like started to reawaken um, my faith. I think that was like 2015 where it was kind That's of awesome. like I started to like get back in in a new way and recognize like, OK, you actually haven't been living for Jesus. And so um, that reawakened me to mm-hmm. want to start living for Jesus. So I just started making small changes and like really like diving into my faith and <laughs> And I am very much a I live for Jesus kind of girl. So it was all about my relationship with him. And I just really have dealt like dove into that. And so with that has just come a lot of other blessings mm-hmm. um, with my kids, especially because when you start living your faith more out loud, people see that. And um, I think that is really started to like I started seeing changes in our family and started seeing like, OK, this is actually really, really good. Um, and I just kind of really went all in with, okay, how can I continue to feed myself? How can I continue to open the door for Jesus? So I was finding retreats. I was doing all of the things that I could. Um, and then Paige had, um, I think it was her confirmation. It was, no, it was her seventh grade camp that she came to, Ma- to Damascus for. Yeah. Oh, and I, school camp. It was school camp. Oh yes. School camp. And so um, I came for the closing mass. And I looked around and I was like, oh, my goodness, wait, this is the Catholic center. Like, I couldn't believe it because it, it, it I think I said this earlier, like mm-hmm. it truly spoke to my Baptist upbringing as a little girl where yeah. people would raise their hands and they would worship God. And I was like, I didn't know Catholics could do this. this, this like, I'm this like, is legal in the I'm church? like, wait, what is going <laughs> is on? In play? I totally was like, this, this is amazing. Is this a schismatic community? Like, so, so good. I was like, this is great so um that was like just really exciting for me that i was like oh wait a minute i can actually live this faith life that i'm like really falling in love with and i can do it in a way that is just also really Mm -hmm. fun and fruitful and will also like help my kids like know the lord so um that kind of like sparked something in me there and I think that's what's really, really interesting is the Lord's timing. Now, as I look back, like yeah. it's amazing to like see his timing because um, I was 
in my nursing career, I had an amazing job. I was working Monday through Friday. I had no weekends, no holidays. I had great coworkers. My job was great. I was making great money. Everything about it was like really, really good. And um, I was discontent. I was like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Like, everyone's like, you have such a good gig. Like, I would love to have the gig you have. I'm like, I know it, it, it is. But then um, it was just a lot of discontentment. And I didn't understand that. Um, but I was continuing to build my relationship with the Lord. Like at this point we had adoration at St. Matthew's. So I was going mm -hmm. to adoration and I was just doing all of the things to like, just open my heart and my life to him. Yeah. And so I read a book. I should remember what the book is, but I don't. Um, it was, um, but it spoke to me because it was like, the Lord speaks to you through your discontentment. And I was mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't realize that I was actually missing mm -hmm. cues from him because I didn't realize he was trying to speak to me through that. So that was like two years of just like not being happy in my job, but not having any real reason for it. Like there really wasn't a reason to not love what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started praying into that and I was like, Lord, like, what is, what are you trying to tell? Like, what is this? And it was like over a series of probably like a month of yeah. prayer going into that. And then I was in adoration one day and I was like, okay, Lord, like, what do you want me to do with this? And he said, I want you to walk away. And I was like, walk away from, <laughs> and it was my job. He's like, I want you to walk away from your job. And I'm like, what? I was like, okay, you do know, like, I haven't actually been a nurse that long. Like, I think it was like five years in at this point. And I was like, I actually don't love that idea. And he's like, no, I, I, you really, it was just so clear that he's like, you actually need to walk away from your job. And I was like, okay. So I went home and then I go to Andy and I was like, so I'm going to quit my job. And he's like, uh, what? I think just goes along with the punch. I was like, I'm he kind of right. does. He There's this does. roller coaster. I he's, like, <laughs> he's like, it's I amazing. definitely, this woman is something different. It's yeah. amazing. Um, so yeah, he was like, okay, but you actually have to have another job. Cause I carry your insurance. Like he's like, you, you have to like figure something out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I called the principal of St. Matthew where my kids go to school. And I was like, um, I would like to come work for you guys. Uh, what positions do you have available? And they had a teacher position, teacher assistant position available. So I jumped into that role. And um, I was like, this is great. Like all of that discontentment, all of those things kind of fell away. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is, this is good. Okay. I'm listening. I missed my paycheck, but I can, I can <laughs> do this. And so I got an email from the school secretary saying Damascus is in need of nurses. And I was like, yes, I'll do, <laughs> I'll do a week of that. <laughs> I'll go for a week. And so I got connected with Aaron and he's like, yeah, a week or more, you know, whatever you want to <laughs> whatever do, you can. <laughs> whatever you can give. And I'm like, okay, I actually don't really have a real reason because I have summers off now to not give more. Yeah. And so my girls actually so were we negotiated. Really we did. We negotiated. <laughs> we negotiated. It was at what I think I went to week. I'll go week two to week three. I think we were at. And I was like, okay. And then my girls were like, actually, mom, like, why would you not go week one? <laughs> week one's the most hype week. You should definitely go week one. Uh -huh. So even they were encouraging me. So, That's so cool. yeah, I, I think that was like a really beautiful thing too, that they were like, mom, like, yes, you should do mm -hmm. this. And mm -hmm. so I ended up here week one through four last summer. Um, and that was really cool. And just having them like buy into it and having the support of my family um, weighing into it 
was just really cool. And, and coming in, like I had said that, like, I've never actually felt more equipped as a nurse than when I started nursing here, um, was just so clear that like the Lord was like, yes, this is actually the mission that I have for you. And then to like circle it back to be like, I actually can like help minister to these kids that are at the space in their life when I actually walked out on you and like to be able to like give back in that way is just, it's such a gift. And I know that like, that's what he wants for me. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really neat because being in a vocation of marriage and doing that, Andy has grown a lot too. And just like having the journey that I've been on since quitting my job and doing all of those things. So with that, the Lord really like shifted for him as well. And, um, Mm -hmm. he had some stuff going on in his life that he's like, okay, I need to make some changes and I need to shift some things too. So like through all of these like pieces of this puzzle that the Lord was just like, so carefully crafting, um, he just like, we, we started to be able to actually reach out and grab the pieces and start to put them together. The Lord like set that path for us. And so um, Andy ended up coming into the church in December of 2020 as well, which was crazy because yeah. I was like, he, we did the alpha program. Mm. And then like from there, like we finished alpha and it was like when COVID hit. And then he, like, I got home and he's like, I signed up for RCIA today. He's like, I don't think I'm necessarily going to become Catholic, but I'm just going to feel it out. Yeah, going to get some more answers. I'm going to get some more answers. <laughs> and then, um, and then he ended up becoming Catholic. So I just think it's really neat how the Lord um, was speaking to me in, in this discontentment, but he had such a plan for yeah. it and he was yeah. so patient, mm-hmm. like always so patient with me in so many ways throughout my entire life. Yeah. And I think that like, I think that's such a gift too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's your oldest daughter doing this summer? Yeah, my oldest daughter is on service staff. You're able to be like a missionary with your daughter as yes. well, like this summer, which is really um, incredible. So yeah, that's so good. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. It's so, so beautiful. What would you say to, I guess, in this dialogue that's going to be or isn't uh, is happening in the mm-hmm. in the world right now? What would you say for kind of what's your thought process on the question of women's rights and the the freedom to choose and and how how does the church respond because the reality is if if abortion is um not legal in some areas right which is an inherent good as you said abortion is murder and so that's an inherent good um but that also means that more women are going to be in a predicament where they don't know what their options are mm-hmm. right outside yeah. of that. And yeah. what, what's it, what should, what are you, what's going on through your heart and what's the church's, what do you think the church's response should be? Uh, yeah. So love is what the church's response should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's such a victory um, to have this overturning, but I also have such a, a compassion for the folks that don't feel like it's a victory and feel like, um, you know, I, I, my hope is that there's a lot of conversion in their heart, but I just think that it's really important to like, for women to know, like, it's actually not a burden. Like, I think society, um, makes you feel Mm -hmm. like it is a burden that this is a burden and that your life is over. But like, the reality is that actually this is a gift, but you just have to open the lens to see mm-hmm. that gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that the church just really needs to love these women and give the resources that they need to like to see that and recognize. I think that people don't realize like 
a lot of what I hear is like, well, there aren't resources out there. Actually, there are. Like I had a lot of resources that we tapped into when I was 18 years old and pregnant. Like a lot of resources that, um, you know, pregnancy decision health centers to name one that I do. It's like there were so many resources out there. There was government assistance. Like I tapped into all of that. And I think that like that in that initial like fear, like it's hard to see mm -hmm. that actually there already are things that exist. So I think bringing light to what resources are available to women and loving them through this and and taking out the element of like shame that they yeah. feel, um, you know, I think when you you think of Christians, you think of people that um, if you have had sex before marriage, like you're bad innately mm -hmm. like that. There's this this misconception that that's like you're just bad and we you know there's no coming back from that but i think that there needs to be the recognition that actually like we have a lot of mercy in that because you're human and everyone has their weaknesses and their faults in those moments where we might not make the best decision for ourselves but how can we love you through that and help you recognize mm -hmm. like you actually are worthy like you're so worthy still and mm -hmm. like we mm -hmm. want to love you so i just to me like the answer truly is love um, mm -hmm. and just like, and just that support that like, okay, so many people have actually walked through this and been very successful with it. And like, what you don't realize is like, what you're weighing is like, you're actually weighing like a lot of hardship in your heart, in your life for the rest of your life that you can't get rid of versus a gift that mm -hmm. will bless you in so many ways. And if you are not in a space where that could bless you, it could bless someone else. Um, you know, I just think that the recognition of what a gift life is, is the most important thing that the church needs to like really solidify and show what resources are and show mm -hmm. the support for these women. Amen. Yeah. That's a beautiful answer. Mm -hmm. Brad, Aaron, what's going on in your mind and heart? Yeah. I think, um, one thing off of what Tiffany just said, I think that's so clear to me in her story too, is the glory of God is man fully alive. So God is in a perpetual state of bringing us fully alive. And it's actually us being alive that shows the importance of life. That like, if we're going to be a Christian church that says how good life is, we should really enjoy life. Yeah, Like we should be alive. Like we should really love the life that's in front of us because like, it's almost oxymoronic to say, I despise my life, but good on all life. It's like, no, 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 no. Learn what the Lord's doing in your life. Come to love what he's doing in your life. Come to love the life he's given you. Live more lively. And I think a culture of life comes from people who are more alive. So I, I don't know from that. I just, I, I see that in what you're saying, because in order for us to love someone there, they have to see the life in our eyes. They have to see like how we're not saying this as an imposition on you, but we're saying this as an invitation to you. Like this is going to be the craziest adventure you've ever been on. And it's worth every minute of it. So yeah. I think there's a, a liveliness that the church needs to, yeah. to stand in a culture of life. Yeah. And I think you need to continue to stand in truth though, that like it's not going to be, e it doesn't mean no, easy. No, no, yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't mean easy, no. but it does mean rewarding and it does mean fruitful, mm -hmm. yeah. but mm -hmm. not necessarily. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. No easy is a, easy. Easy is yeah. a cheap desire Yeah, because yeah. any, anything where you're truly alive is usually the most challenging. So I did the most challenging thing and conquered it. I'm really alive. I had this really deep thing I was wrestling with and I came to an answer with it. I'm alive. Like the idea that I'm alive because today I have no responsibility. It's that's, that's cheap. That's yeah. cheap life. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I just, I see so this show where encounter meets mission, like y you will find your identity through mission. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And I, th- I think that many people don't see parenthood as, as mission. Mm. And you find, you know, you find who you are when you give yourself away. And mm-hmm. there's almost by definition, no better way to give yourself away than by taking on a dependent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that, that I've got this constantly, re- this constant reminder living in my house that mm-hmm. I can't live my life for me, for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when we were pregnant, uh, for our first Amber was just kept praying through Matthew 25, where yeah. Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these you do for me. And it's clothing the naked, right. Uh, giving drink to the thirsty, giving drink, I mean, food to the hungry. It's like you take the Matthew 25, all of them visiting the prison, right. <laughs> Caring for the kid. Yeah. That's a timeout. Right. But no, but the, uh, <laughs> But that person in Matthew 25 is a child. I mean, right? You you, you just see uh, in a child everything mm-hmm. that Jesus says that he is. And so mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful that when Dylan was placed in your hands, like that's that was your encounter yeah, moment. The beauty of and it. again, ministry and in church, sometimes we can think like, I mean, clearly we, we, we set up so many encounter moments through the church programs, like walking mm-hmm. in per, like walking with purpose or alpha or Damascus retreats. And those are all wonderful, incredible uh, encounter moments. But if we're going to actually reach the lost, sometimes encounter those encounter moments are going to yeah. come in unconventional ways. And we need to, um, we need to be praying that the Lord would be pouring out mm-hmm. graces on on all these women and, and on those 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 men mm-hmm. that they would have those encounter. I mean, Andy's encounter moment that you described is just beautiful, right? Yeah. That like that's just like that's just grace falling down mm-hmm. and touching him or mm-hmm. touching you in that moment. Yeah. Well, I want to honor Tiffany's words there with easy too, because I think there's, I think that we have to do well in the church to to shape goals. Like the goal of your life is to give it away. And by definition, if we live in concupiscence, it's hard to give my life away. Like I want my life for me. So like any step towards giving it away is hard, which is why it's beautiful when the priest lays down and is ordained. It's why it's beautiful when a husband and wife get married. It's why it's beautiful when a child is conceived and born. It's because these are very tangible expressions of a life given away which by definition, because we're in a fallen state, is hard. Mm-hmm. But that's where your meaning and purpose is going to be found. And without it, um, well, we'll say this, life without meaning and purpose is um, not as worth living as <laughs> one that does have it. Amen. Tiffany, is this your first time kind of sharing your story publicly? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So that's amazing. I just want to commend you for your courage, not yeah. just right now, but throughout your whole life. Uh, you're just a woman of courage. And boldness. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. The Lord's using that uh, so beautifully. And uh, thank you for anyone who has been listening. This is Beyond Damascus, a show where encounter meets mission. And as Aaron said, we can discover mission in so many different ways. And when we're on mission, we find encounter with Mm -hmm. Christ even more. And so thank you so much for uh, joining us. Feel free to comment and have discussion about this episode. Like, subscribe, share with someone that you know so that they can also be built up by Tiffany's story and this amazing uh, move of God that's happening in individuals' lives. And join us next week for Beyond Damascus. Thank you. God bless.